0: here you go lamar nothing personal word of the day it's friday april 28th 2023 fifth show of the week of nothing personal because it's friday lamar jackson finally signed What a way to take the news away from the top pick that you get Lamar done on draft day. Makes it exciting. All sorts of trades and hugs and high fives, outfits and girlfriends and families. It's an entire spectacle like the damn Oscars. The draft goes on and all I could think about was Lamar Jackson. And then all I could think about is how bad the NFL Players Union is. So bad. In MLB, when you get a contract, it's guaranteed. Now, you've got provisions. Don't go skydiving. Don't drive an ATV. There are a few provisions. Don't play basketball. Don't go downhill skiing. In football, here's how it works. You sign a contract. It gets announced. There's celebrations everywhere. Lamar Jackson signs guaranteed $185 million with a potential upside higher than Hertz, higher than Watson. He can get to 255 or 260. Do I hear 265? I don't hear squat because none of it's real. It is really the definition of a Fagazi. Explain to you, let me, how works this. Backwards when, sign, money, have, don't. Football players, when they sign these contracts, you better not go to a bank and say, hey, I'd like to borrow money, I got a contract coming. I want to buy two houses, one car, and a dinosaur head to be named later. And the bank looks at the contract and says, interesting. All I see guaranteed at signing is your 2023 salary plus your signing bonus. That's it. Well, but wait a minute. If I'm on the team on March 1st, 2028, I get $49 million with a chance to make $69 million. What's that worth? Um, Mr. Jackson, that's 2027 or 28. We're in 2023. I'm not giving you enough money to buy Kleenex. No, no, but it was revealed on Twitter and on ESPN and everywhere else that I got the most money ever. I'm gonna be the highest paid player ever. Look at me. Well, that's not exactly right. Deshaun Watson, when he signed, got $230 million guaranteed. Period. His arm could fall off. He could be released, cut, waived, anything and he has $230 million. Lamar Jackson, did he get 185 guaranteed? They're calling it practically guaranteed. I love that as management. We are practically guaranteeing that we're gonna win the game tomorrow. We are practically guaranteed, it's so great. Lamar Jackson has to be on the Ravens. He's gotta do the roster bonus. He's gotta show up on the day of the first day of the last day of the league. We don't even know what the exact number is that was guaranteed today, because that's all that matters. Do you think that Aaron Judge has to be good or has to be on the Yankees in order to make his $360 million? No. For all the people who are feeling badly for players in Major League Baseball, they have the strongest union. For all of you thinking that management absolutely wipes the floor with the players union in Major League Baseball, You have it wrong. The floor that's being wiped is done by NFL owners. It's a complete floor wiper because not only is the money not guaranteed, but also you're gonna get a concussion and likely have CTE and sadly die young. Other than that, you're totally protected. You have the best benefits ever. The NFL owners know what's happening, man. I wonder whether it's a coincidence that the NFL has so much revenue, the teams are worth so much because the players don't get as big a portion. Of course, Union Hawks will say, but they do. When the season actually is played, the players who are playing get paid 49.96% of revenue. But it's not guaranteed until that moment. I had all these great wait-to-sees to go through. We did them. Lamar signs for more than Murray and less than Watson. That was in August of 2022. Did he? He definitely signed for less than Watson, maybe. He doesn't have 230 million guarantee, but he can make 255 or 60, so maybe he's gonna make more than Watson. But when I said he signs for more than Murray and less than Watson, I'm talking about guarantee. Not practical guarantee BS, not roster bonuses or voluntary workout bonuses. What money can I go to the bank right now and say, lend me money because I'm getting paid no matter what. I'm not taking the credit for that, wait to see it. I don't know. How about this? Lamar gets more guaranteed than Hertz. I said that back in April of 23. I guess we are in April, that's 10 days ago. (laughs) Oopsie. I thought that was longer ago. But Lamar gets more guaranteed than Hurts. Am I taking credit for that? Are we sure he got more than 179? Are we sure that that's the guarantee for Hurts? I'm not. How about back in March, we said Lamar won't be a patriot. Fine, we'll take credit for that. Lamar Jackson's not going to be a patriot. I'm also going to take credit for the fact that I said that he's not going to get any offer sheets. That was on March 8th. That's a winner. He got zero offer sheets. Zero. And all this talk about Lamar not having an agent and people getting on social media and saying, good for him. He saved between 3 million and 8 million because it's 5% of the total is what agents charge. Therefore, he's brilliant. I've always told you that what players need, you may not necessarily need an agent if you're Lamar Jackson. You need lawyers, you can pay them by the hour but you better make sure that the lawyers or the people in the union who are helping you actually care about you and that you are the client. And I'm not impugning the union, sort of. I'm certainly not saying that lawyers would not advocate on his behalf. But the reason agents are in business, and can you imagine I'm about to compliment agents or say why you need an agent? In the world of football, where the contracts are way more complicated than they are in baseball, way more complicated. It's way better to have someone who has the ability to negotiate with a team and understand how to get you the most money now, given the possible outcomes, if not likely, that there will be injuries. Forget lack of performance, which is a big deal in baseball. Injuries are a far bigger issue in football. It's no coincidence that it works this way, that you have to be on a roster to get paid, it's brilliant. I'd love to do that with baseball, except with baseball it's normally lack of performance that stops players from being on the roster. Once in a while you get the Albert Bell situation where someone is signed and they're hurt to the point where they can't play, but not common. So here's how I think this works. I'm sitting here as the agent right now for the what I believe to be the best quarterback of all these. And you can at me if you want it, David P. Sampson. But if I had to start a team today, I'm not doing it with Deshaun Watson, for sure. I'm not doing it with Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray, not doing it with Jalen Hurts. I would think about doing it with Lamar Jackson, but I'm concerned about his injuries. I'm starting with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is in line to sign a contract I guess I could start with Patrick Mahomes, Coca, You're right. Would I start with Mahomes, he is the greatest winner. By the way, let me me start that whole segment again, if you don't mind. Are we live on YouTube on Fridays? You're damn right we're live. Nothing personal is live five days a week, 8 a.m. Nothing personal with David Sampson. Tell your friends and family. If I had to start a team today with the existing contracts that they have, Patrick Mahomes, period, hard stop. He is signed to his deal. He is a proven winner. He can play hurt, and he's going to get me rings, and I want rings. So other than Mahomes, I'm taking Joe Burrow. So Joe Burrow is going to be negotiating a contract, in theory, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Where does he end? There is no doubt in my mind that Joe Burrow will get less than Watson, but more than Jackson. That's how these contracts work. Deshaun Watson is going to remain the ceiling of guarantee. And when I say guarantee on nothing personal, that means the money when you sign the contract that no matter what happens, hell or high water, that money is yours. Hard stop. Don't know the number for Lamar. Don't know it for anyone except Deshaun. Joe Burrow will not get 230, but he will get However I choose to define it, I can't lose this. Wait to see, Coca. This is amazing. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, great. We'll revisit it, I promise. Joe Burrow will get less than Watson, but more than Jackson. And I'll get to tell you. That's so funny. I will get to tell you whether or not it's more than Jackson. Because we can put 10 intelligent people in a room, and no one will be able to agree what Jackson got. Or Hertz, for that matter. Okay. I'd like to make an announcement. I have a pretty big announcement actually. That Coke and I have come to a settlement with CBS. We were tampered with by Metalark. And the settlement between CBS and Metalark is that Coke and I have to return our microphones. But we're going to be traded a better light, and a better camera. We've come to this agreement to settle what was acknowledged as pre-contractual ending tampering. Coca, that'll be our last words on this subject, because still at CBS as an MLB analyst, you're now at MetalArk. So we've announced that we are done. The tampering's over. The Eagles and Cardinals did the same thing. They announced that their tampering was done. Their tampering was awesome. This is good. Tampering happens in the media world. It happens in the sports world. It happens in the business world. We've spoken about tampering before. Tampering is when you want to do something that you're not doing, somewhere where you not are, for money that you don't have. Makes sense, right? When you are wanted by someone, it feels good, doesn't it? whether it's socially or in a business sense, it's just, it's right. You're where you are, and you look over the horizon, you say, oh, it's way better there. Greener pastures, the grass is greener on the other side. And then you hop the fence, you get to the other side, and you're like, oh, crap. It's just as brown. What happened? Did I get the wrong angle here? Assistant coaches all want to be head coaches. It looks great. I want to be in the number one chair. I want to make the decisions. I want to be the one who does the interviews. I want to be the one who's in charge of personnel. I want to be the one who's ultimately accountable and I want to start my career in my own coaching tree. Oy, I just got canned. I guess I got to go back and be an assistant now. In coach speak, you had a coach named Jonathan Gannon. Jonathan Gannon was the Eagles' defensive coordinator. You may remember what the Eagles did last year. You may remember that the Eagles made a run all the way to the Super Bowl. You may remember that their coaches ended up becoming head coaches elsewhere. Jonathan Gannon ended up being the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Makes sense. The Arizona Cardinals needed a coach. They fired that guy from the COVID draft who was, uh, God damn it, Coca. Um, I can't remember the name. Cliff Kingsbury, thank you. That was the guy, the good looking guy who sat on some sort of rental house somewhere doing the draft when none of us could leave our homes and we were looking in Roger Goodell's basement. In any case, he gets fired and Gannon gets hired. This all sounds normal, except the Eagles said, here's the problem. They hired Jonathan Gannon, they let him go. They were gonna let him go. But the Cardinals apparently hired a GM, this guy, Monty Ossenfort. He was hired on January 16th. On January 16th, he comes in, starts doing his job with the Cardinals. First job, I guess, is to find a head coach. And what he immediately did is contacted Jonathan Gannon. Did he call him? Did he not call him? Was he told to call him? That's all up in the air. But let me try to give you some insight into how it works. When GMs are interviewing for a job, the owner is doing the interviewing. The owner of the Cardinals, we've talked about him before, the guy Bidwill, the guy who's being sued by his former team president, Terry McDonough, the guy who's being accused of running an outfit that is completely lascivious, prurient in nature, the guy who apparently may have some workplace misconduct issues. We don't know. But they're alleged. But what I do know is that when owners are hiring GMs, they sit in the room and they talk about two things one, who the coach is going to be, two, who the players are going to be. That's part of the interview process. You don't spend nine hours talking about the color of the grass. If you know who you want as your coach and you're the owner when you're interviewing the GM, you tell the GM who he or she or they will hire as the coach. If you don't know who you want as the coach, you actually say to the GM, do you have a list? Any suggestions? Mm, I've never heard that happen before. Interviews with GMs come with existing list of coaching candidates, if not a mandate that you will be hiring this coach. You think that Bidwell had no idea that Monty was going to come in and call Jonathan. Do you got all that? You think the owner hired the GM and the GM went rogue immediately? Welcome to the company. Where's the bathroom? Do I get pens or anything? Maybe a computer, a microphone, maybe a light, a camera? By the way, I'm going to need the company's cell phone. I got to get Gannon on the phone. Who? Sorry. It's not how it works. The owner knew exactly that tampering was going to happen because they didn't want Gannon to go anywhere else. They had a deal done with Gannon. Done. It wouldn't surprise me if Monty called Gannon and said, by the way, I know that this deal's done. Just wanted to say hi. Oh, we've known each other for 20 years, but great to have you. We're totally excited. We're a package deal. The Eagles said, wait a minute. I think there's been tampering. I like that. There has been tampering. And guess what? They settled it. And they settled it on draft day. Because what do you really want when you accuse someone of tampering? You don't want the player or the coach back. You want some sort of compensation. Give me a player. I've worked out those deals before. Yeah, we tampered. We'll send you some lower-level prospect just so you can save face. How about we'll, give you, we'll swap draft picks? We'll do something fun like that. Just be done with it. The NFL is the arbiter of these tampering charges. You think Roger Goodell and his crew really wants to spend time dealing with the Eagles and Cardinals on the tampering of Jonathan Gannon? They said, here's what we're going to do. It's going to be very simple. We're going to settle this right on draft day. And we're going to do what's really sweet is that we're going to swap third round picks. So Jonathan Gannon gets to stand up and go to Thanksgiving dinner and say to his family, hey, you know what I'm worth? I'm worth a swap, baby. How cool is that? My team wanted me so badly that they were willing to swap third-round picks and an extra fifth-rounder next year. Look at me. I'm cool. Then they had to work on the statement. The statement was a joint release. So the number of joint releases that I did in my career would be zero, and the reason I didn't do joint releases is that there was no way to do a release on behalf of two different teams that would be able to have the messaging that I would want out about the thing that we are discussing. Yeah. If I'm doing a release, I'm doing it with the knowledge that I want you to be on my side. I want you to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I agree to what I agree to, and the way to do it is not just to have my quote in a general release, it's to make sure that it's a standalone. But the Cardinals in Philadelphia, I was gonna say Phillies, and Eagles said this. The Arizona Cardinals and Philadelphia Eagles have agreed on the settlement of an issue concerning an instance of impermissible contact by Arizona during its head coaching search this past January. And here comes the best part. I can't believe the Cardinals agreed to have this in a joint release the Cardinals self-reported to the National Football League that GM Monty Asenfort had a phone conversation with then-Eagles DC Jonathan Gannon in the days following the NFC Championship game, a period during which contact is not permitted under the league's anti-tampering policy. Self-reporting is my favorite. It's like a suggestion box in your office. Hey, can we get a vending machine in the bathroom? Yeah, that's great. We used to have suggestion boxes in the office. We used to have suggestion boxes for fans. We would announce this. I think the New Marlins owners do this too. Teams do this all the time, it's outstanding. I have told you they do it about team names, like the new Cleveland t- Guardians. Fans, what do you want to name the team? Or the Washington Commanders fans, what do you think? Give me a break. I used to say, give me some good ideas for the new stadium while we're building it. Guys, the design was done the outlets had already been placed in every room and all the carpets had been purchased. But I'm looking for suggestions. And when I get a suggestion, that's exactly what we've already done, I get to say to you, hey, we did this because of your suggestion. But it wasn't. That's what self-reporting is. Self-reporting is like the honor bar. The honor bar in a hotel. Do you remember when you could go into a hotel, there'd be a mini bar. No lock, no key. Just tell us if you got a Coke and a smile. Maybe some Rolos. Now they lock it. Now there's someone who comes in your room and checks it. Now they say if you pull this drink out of its slot, it's automatically charged to your room, which means you can't drink the vodka, put water back in the bottle, put it back in, and say, don't know what you're talking about, didn't have that drink. That would have been the honor system. I'd like to self-report the fact that I switched vodka into water. Don't tell me you've never heard that. Look at this big studio audience who's looking at me with self-assuring glances like, oh, yeah, I've done that before. That person hasn't done it before and looks at me like I'm a little cray-cray. Maybe I'm a little cray-cray because I'm not looking at anything but a control room self-reporting why do you think the cardinals self-reported do you think it's because it was going to come up during the lawsuit with terry mcdonough that's now in arbitration do you think they was self-reporting because the cardinals realized that the owner's in such trouble for everything else he did let's not add this to the list or do you think for a minute the gm didn't know the rules or do you think it was some rogue lower level employee who said hey our gm just made a call to jonathan gannon shh don't tell anyone I'm reporting this, I'm whistleblowing, but please don't get me in trouble. This is such a huge deal. Would you give me a break? This will not be evidence. It's not part of the big arbitration suit that's going on between Terry McDonough and the Cardinals. It does not instruct an arbitrator or a jury the fact that this type of behavior goes on. Therefore, what Terry McDonough is saying goes on, went on. There is no relevance to this in that suit, but that said, outside of the arbitration room, outside of the courtroom, you're damn right it's relevant. As a former team president, I'd rather argue it's not because all the tampering that we did, in my mind, was not related to any nefarious activities outside of that because tampering to me was not nefarious, it was a Tuesday. That's how you get who you want is you tamper with. Whew. The honor bar. Koki never turned vodka into water. Don't give me that look. You're an audience of one judging me. All right, let's take a break. I got to talk about a movie that I watched yesterday after a full day of recording Levitard, still watched a movie and it was interesting. And then we're going to talk about something else that went on both in the NBA and in MLB. We still have 22 minutes left until the weekend. Stay with me. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment. Welcome back to Nothing Personal as we approach the end of the week. It's April 28th. We're approaching the end of April, which means that Monday we can talk about the first month of the baseball season and what's been going on, who are the surprises, who are the disappointments, because I'm sure that as fans you've already come to your own conclusions that your team sucks, or your team is great, and that you think whatever they are today is what they'll be tomorrow, and generally you're going to be right. Spoiler alert. Maybe. All right i got to talk about a movie. I've told you that I love Gene Smart and I love Jackie Weaver. Jackie Weaver's in Yellowstone. What an absolute nightmare Yellowstone has become. No guarantee they're going to film the second half of season five. Haven't even started. Kevin Costner doesn't want to do it. The other actors are getting pissed. Taylor Sheridan's doing all the other shows now. Basically, they're having a standoff in the deserts of Utah or Wyoming or Montana, wherever they are. So Jackie Weaver's doing other movies, as she should. Alexandra DiDorio from White Lotus Season 1, among others, from True Detective Season 1. If you know, you know. How about Kiernan Shipka? God, I screwed up that cough button, didn't I? Kiernan Shipka, they're all in a movie. It's called Wildflower. Wildflower is a movie that will remind you of CODA. It is about a girl who is not disabled in any way in a family of those who are disabled. In CODA, they were hearing impaired. In Wildflower, they have intellectual disabilities. That is the word that you use. Don't use any other word. An intellectual disability. The actors who play the parts, one of them is intellectually disabled, And one of them was in Silver Linings Playbook, acting up uh, with uh, Bradley Cooper from, uh, from the facility. So this is a story about a girl who has issues with her parents, to say the least, and has to figure out how to deal with them, has to figure out how to deal with a life that is pretty complicated when you have to be an adult when you're a child. How do you come to grips with that? It's really not dissimilar to asking a 22 year old to be a leader on your team. It's not too similar to being a young person asked to have a position of leadership in a C-suite. There are accommodations that are made. There are habits that are formed. There are anxieties that grow, all based on trying to find your comfort, trying to find your place. Wildflower is a movie about that. I absolutely adored this movie. The performance by Kiernan Shipka, who I had not seen before, was stellar. Alexandra Dodario supporting, Gene Smart, Jackie Weaver, terrific supporting performances. This is a Shipka production. Wildflower. I have it ranked below Coda in terms of what it is for a child to deal with her parents as the adult, but not far below. Check it out, you're going to be happy. All right, someone got on David P. Sampson, and I appreciate all the extra hours you're giving me, Coca. Are people still actually downloading and listening to Nothing Personal on top of hearing my dulcet tones on Levitard? Well, at least one of you is doing both each day because you had a question. Go ahead, Coca. You know what I want. <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson? It's Friday. In 18 minutes, we are so close to going to watch Half Baked. There's a character named Samson. If you have a question, just ask him. David P. Samson on Twitter. David P. Samson on Instagram. I just actually did a podcast last night, Coca. I guested on a podcast of someone who reached out to me on Instagram in my mentions or whatever it's called, not in my for you section, just in the place where you can text people and you always tell me that the people who are texting me are not real. That's what I'm talking about. This person, it turns out, was real. There's an actual way to know whether someone's real in my timeline or in my DMs, and it has a lot to do with bikinis. All right, David, I've been listening to Nothing Personal and Levitard Show this week. Thank you. You discussed the Giannis failure situation with Pablo, but not on nothing personal. Was that on purpose? Can you go into more detail about your feelings on the subject of failure? Well, yes I can, but first, let me give you a few seconds on what we're talking about. Do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal. Right, which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able—I don't know—provide um, a house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards it. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championships. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports about. You don't always win. Some other, other people are going to win. And this year, somebody else is going to win. Similar to that. We're going to come back next year, try to be better, try to build good habits. Let me start by saying that my respect for Giannis is never-ending. Let me also point out to you that he did that in not his first language. You try expressing yourself in a second language, even if you're fluent. Third, let me say that I find it difficult for players to have to meet the media after a, an elimination because they're emotional. And one of the things that even waiting 30 minutes sometimes cannot account for is how you feel after you know that you've been working towards something. You've been pushing a boulder up the hill since the first day of training camp, through the preseason, through the regular season. Every day you had a purpose. And you know when you've been eliminated that you are waking up the next morning and you've got to start the whole damn thing over because the boulder just crashed down on you. It obliterated the town at the foot of the mountain. The Milwaukee Bucks failed. When you are the number one seed and lose to the eight seed and it's only happened four times ever, that's a failure. Giannis could have just said he was disappointed and moved on. I wish it would have ended differently. I found it to be a disappointing end. I want to come back next year and bring another title to Milwaukee because I don't want to have to wait another 50 years for this city. They had to wait 50 years last time. We want to do it way more often for them this time. See you all next year. That would have been the perfect answer that we would have told and asked the players to say when asked. You're going to be asked about. The coach of the Bucks, Budenholzer, about him having timeouts, about him using or not using challenges, about the rotation, about who's defending who, all the stuff that everybody's breaking down in every show. You're going to be asked about how you feel about the season. Just go with the simple message We did not accomplish our goal. Our goal every year is to win a championship. Every year we don't win a championship. We have not succeeded. That's a fact, Jack. To come out and bring Michael Jordan into it disappointed me. Because if you ask Michael Jordan, he will tell you that every year he didn't win a title was a failure. If you ask winning players, they all say the same thing. Is it possible Giannis doesn't believe it? I'm not gonna answer. I've never spoken to Giannis about it. But I will say that what players say on the podium does not always reflect what they think in real life. Giannis may be the closest to what he says, to what he feels, but I don't know. But my issue is, what is the goal for the team and is that how we define success in the real world? When we're sitting in a meeting at the end of the year and we've won 879 games, and we thought we'd win 74 games. The simulators had us winning 72 games, and we won 79 games. Do you think that the entire off season, we talk amongst ourselves and talk about what a success it was? No, it was a failed season. No matter your payroll, no matter your projection, Anytime you do not get a ring at the end of the year, that's the only thing we're all playing for. Even when we're tanking. We don't sit around and say, what a great tank job. We got the number one pick, way to go. No, we're pissed off that we're even in that position. We don't wanna be in the position of trading players or rebuilding or tanking, absolutely not. There has been a ton of reaction to what Giannis said. And I wanna point out one of the people who reacted and why it is so silly the way He reacted, and it's our guy, Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban sent out an entire tweet about this, calling it the great response by Giannis. Required viewing for every sports media member and sports journalism teacher and student. A headline seeking questions that look good in a tweet are what sports media has devolved to far too often. What was headline grabbing about asking the number one seed whether or not they thought it was a failed season by not getting out of the first round? Mark Cuban, I'm talking to you, because someone close to you, I happen to know, watches this show. So just a quickie for you. As you look at your season this year, how do you feel about it? Good? Pretty much a failure, right? The Dallas Mavericks were an abject failure. How'd you feel when you lost in the playoffs? Good? You won a game seven, that's a success, lost the next round? Ah, still a success that's a bunch of horse hockey if you are a winner a ring is the thing period the goals that are set with the public are different the goals that are set by us inside a front office inside a clubhouse a team even the oakland a's when they start the season say to themselves If it all hits right, we have a chance to compete for a playoff spot. You never know. The reality of April comes and you say, God, it, we didn't get it right. We failed. Mark Cuban goes on to say that he would like to find a time when there's no more reporters. That some sort of chat GPT for sports writers will be a better source of post-game questions. The question asked of Giannis would have been asked by anyone from second grade or older. And I am not in any way saying that that reporter, who I met yesterday for the first time, albeit over Zoom, I'm not saying you're a second grader, but I'm not saying that you're a Mensa member because he asked the question. You'd actually be irresponsible if you hadn't asked that question. And Giannis had an opportunity to not be viral. He had an opportunity to not talk about something that is so binary in a non-binary way. There is winning and there is misery. Hard stop for everybody. Nothing personal, pick of the day. The Texas Rangers did not beat the New York Yankees. News alert, Garrett Cole is really good. We went for the plus money, thought we had a chance. Judge got hurt. Didn't happen. But we had the Celtics over the Hawks, and don't worry about that we needed an 11-0 run to end the game or a 20-2 run to end the game. Doesn't matter. Celtics clinched and beat the Hawks. We've got our final four in the Eastern Conference in 4-8-69. We have our final four in the Eastern Conference. Celtics Sixers, one of those two teams will be in the Conference Finals. Knicks Heat, one of those two teams will be in the Conference Finals. You could have a Celtics-Knicks Conference Finals. We won that one. We're one and one I got a bunch of picks. Get your pens out. This is not Thursday Thunder. This is the nothing personal pick of the day. Tonight, Alec Manoa over Luis Castillo. The Blue Jays are minus 115 over the Mariners. That is very... You will not find Manoa minus 115 anywhere. He's going against Castillo, the number one starter for the Mariners. The Blue Jays are just a better team. Anytime you get a value of a pitcher where they're below, regardless of who they're pitching against. Anytime you can get a pitcher below where he should be, you jump on it. Manoa, minus 115. Now you're going to say to me, but Castillo's plus money. How do you not jump on that? Then you go for the better team. Saturday, Atlanta Braves. Sorry, Coca. Watch Strider, minus 145. Braves over the Mets. The Mets offense, however good Alonzo is, however good you want to say they are, they haven't faced Strider. And if they have, I don't know. But Strider's really good. We're taking the Braves over the Mets Saturday. That's Saturday. And then we've got game one of the Western Conference semis between the Nuggets and the Suns on Saturday and game one of the Eastern Conference finals, game one on Sunday, Knicks Heat. When you've got the Nuggets and Suns both having come off gentlemen sweeps, I'm going for the team that is at home to start the series. Nuggets two and a half over the Suns. That is going to be a tighter series than you think. I do think the Nuggets prevail in that series, but I do think it will take six. What about Knicks Heat bringing me back? Boy, is it bringing me back. Knicks minus four over Heat. That's the pick on Sunday. The Heat are so high off beating the Bucks, showing the Bucks the exit, having them have a failed season. Jimmy Butler, can he be that hot? If I spend one more minute talking about Jimmy Butler, I'm going to lose my mind. But of course, we're going to have to. Knicks, minus four over the Heat. Those are the picks. All right, wait to see. Mark this down, Coke is my wait to see. I'm going to give you a final four right now. And it's a bit risky to give you the final four in the NBA because we don't know whether or not the Warriors, Kings, Lakers, Grizzlies, who's going to move on in advance. But here we go. I have the Knicks beating the Heat, the Nuggets beating the Suns, the Celtics beating the Sixers, and the Warriors. Not just beating the Kings, but also getting all the way into the conference finals. Knicks, Nuggets, Celtics, Warriors will be the final four. All right, to finish off, I wanna bring up something that's going on in baseball that is making everyone angry, and I'm just gonna explain it and tell you how I felt as a president about this and how I feel now as someone on the other side. This is a story of something that has become a thing in baseball. It used to be much more rare. I read about it with the Miami Hurricanes. They had this turnover chain. Baseball teams would try to do fun stuff after a home run. There would be different handshakes and celebrations. And then all of a sudden it became props. There's home run blazers, there's home run go-karts or those, those carts that are used in the dugout there's getting a laundry basket there's a million different things the teams do for the record as a team president when i'm down 7 to 1 when i'm down 7 to 1 in the 8th inning and i get a solo home run i'm not into the celebration cuz we're down 5 runs i'm not into the icky shuffle on a touchdown with a minute to go when you're down four touchdowns Just not into it. Does that make me not fun as a team president? Maybe. But I'm about the result. A three run homer when you're down seven in the ninth inning with two outs? That's great. Let's go. Let's keep the line moving. Well, now these teams have all these crazy celebrations. They've gone crazy with fun stuff. It's fun to watch. The players love it, the fans love it. The front office, from my standpoint, not so much. The Atlanta Braves have one. They put on an oversized hat on the person who hits the home run. Look at that. That makes Ozzy Albies in this picture look so tiny. It looks like this huge sort of hat. I think that's Rosario wearing it. So all of these players, it's a Braves hat with the Braves logo. And guess what? New Era is the sponsor for the hats, and they pay MLB a lot of money. The Braves get one of that money. New Era said to MLB, we do not want our name associated with that type of hat. We want the players to wear the hats that are part of the uniform that you're forced to wear when you are a baseball player. And that is a rule. The players have to wear the merchandise that they are told to wear for the game. There is official merchandise for outerwear, innerwear, for socks, for skivvies, everything. New Era called up MLB and said, we don't want it done anymore. MLB had to call up the Braves and say, we get rid of the hat. Can't do it. Find the new one. And all I kept thinking of is that MLB did an entire advertising campaign about let them have fun. Let's bring fun into the game. Let's bring the demographics down so we don't age up, 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 and then croak. Let's make rule changes that are meant to make the game shorter, more exciting. Let's have some passion. Let's try to build some personalities. Stop. This is getting in the way of some money. Here's the better solution. And I know that the person who runs Revenue, Noah Garden, I've known him forever, very, very talented, has found a way to bring baseball revenue up in a way that owners, they can't thank him enough. Whatever he's getting paid, Rob, he should be getting paid double. And no, I'm not his agent or his lawyer. But Noah should be calling New Era and saying, listen, why don't we lean into this? Why don't we work with the Braves, work with the players? Why don't we find a way to even produce hats like this and sell them? Because maybe instead of the tomahawk chop that is so offensive, oh, that one, why don't we make it all about the hat? and why don't we let New Era brand it? Now maybe the conversation was had and the people in New Era, which by the way, look into the ownership of New Era, maybe there's a possibility that they said no, we just want it to be cleaner, we don't want it to be associated with anything other than the regular size of a hat. This is the company, That is selling you every type of different hat when you go into the lid store or when you go into the team store. There's a hat for Mother's Day. There's a hat for Father's Day. There's a hat for Memorial Day, for Labor Day. There's a hat for July 4th. There's a different logo. There's a different everything. You could have a hat that's a trucker's hat. You could have a flat brim, side brim, no brim. How about the Ray Davies hat? How about the give the people what they want hat? Let's try it. Instead of having press like this, Press that for no particular reason is negative about the very thing that we're trying to be positive about. It makes zero sense to me. Both in fun, but also in business. Because it's just business, I would think. Have a safe weekend. Let's be careful out there. We'll be back Monday.